was always force Feinstein down in 2024. She won't run for re-election. Now, in a big California Senate seat, it is now ripe for the taking. Announcing three impactful cases from my office in our nation's fight against the People's Republic of China's transnational repression activities. The first two criminal complaints that I am announcing shed further light on the extent of the PRC government's efforts to project its authoritarian worldview on the residents of this city and this country. The two complaints charge more than 30 officers with China's national police force, which is called the Ministry of Public Security, or the NPS, and two New York City residents with violations of U.S. law. Unlike typical officers, the NPS officers who have been charged today are not focused on preventing crime. Rather, the complaints charge these NPS officers with engaging in transnational repression schemes targeting members of the Chinese diaspora community in New York City and elsewhere in the United States. And as shown in these complaints, the NPS has repeatedly and flagrantly violated our nation's sovereignty, including by opening and operating a police station the middle of New York City. The third case will be announced by Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General David Newman of the Department's National Security Division. Let me introduce the other speakers you'll hear from today. I'm joined by Michael Driscoll, Assistant Director in Charge of the FBI's New York Field Office, and David Sunberg, Assistant Director in Charge of the FBI's Washington Field Office and of course my assistant U.S. attorney team. Two miles from our office, just across the Brooklyn Bridge, this nondescript office building in the heart of bustling Chinatown in lower Manhattan has a dark secret. Until several months ago, an entire floor of this building hosted an undeclared police station of the Chinese National Police. Now just imagine the NYPD opening an undeclared secret police station in Beijing. It would be unthinkable. Here's what we know happened inside the secret police station in Lower Manhattan. At the very least, the station was providing some government services, like helping Chinese citizens renew their Chinese driver's licenses. But to do even that 
the law requires that individuals like the defendants who act as agents of a foreign government give prior notice to the Attorney General before setting up shop in New York City. That didn't happen. More troubling, though, is the fact that the secret police station appears to have had a more sinister use. On at least one occasion, an official with the Chinese National Police directed one of the defendants, a U.S. citizen who worked at the secret police station, to help locate a pro-democracy activist of Chinese descent living in California. In other words, the Chinese National Police appear to have been using the station to track a U.S. resident on U.S. soil. The two defendants whose arrests we're announcing today destroyed evidence of their communications with the Chinese National Police when they learned of the FBI's investigation. These two defendants knew they had something to hide and they obstructed justice in an attempt to prevent the FBI from learning the full extent of what they were up to. Before I go through the evidence in more detail, I'd like to say how proud I am of our office and the New York field office of the FBI as we are the first law enforcement partners in the world to make arrests in connection with the Chinese government's overseas police stations. Now, the defendants, Liu Jianwang and Chun Jinping were arrested earlier this morning at their homes in New York City. As alleged, the defendants worked together to establish an overseas police station in Manhattan's Chinatown on behalf of the Fuzhou branch of the Chinese government's National Police Force, the NPS. These defendants did China's bidding in secret while acting under the direction and control of, the, of an NPS official in China. Before helping to open the police station in early 2022, the defendant Liu Jianwang had a long-standing relationship of trust with PRC law enforcement, including the MPS. In 2018, Liu was enlisted in efforts to cause a purported Chinese fugitive to return to China. The victim of that effort reported that he was repeatedly harassed to return to China. That victim received threats of violence against his family in the United States, and MPS officers harassed the victim's family in China. Last October, FBI agents conducted a judicially authorized search of the secret police station and interviewed both Liu and Chun and seized their phones. In subsequent interviews with agents, Liu and Chun admitted that they had deleted communications with the MPS official from their phones after learning about the ongoing FBI investigation. As we allege, that is obstruction of justice. The defendant's actions under the direction of the Chinese government are flagrant violations of American sovereignty. And thanks to our investigation and arrest today with the FBI, the defendants will be held accountable and the MPS is on notice that we will not tolerate similar threats to our national sovereignty. Before I close my remarks on this case, I want to deliver a message to anyone who needs to hear it. 
New York City is home to New York's finest, the NYPD. We don't need or want a secret police station in our great city. The second complaint I'm announcing charges 34 MPS officers who belong to a task force called the 912-912 Special Project Working Group. This task force isn't a normal police force. It doesn't protect people or combat crimes. It commits crimes, targeting Chinese democracy activists and dissidents located outside of the PRC, including right here in New York City. This task force operates as an internet troll farm, creating thousands of fake online personas, which they use in a coordinated plot to harass, disparage, and threaten dissidents and activists throughout the world. People who the PRC perceives as threats to the legitimacy of the Chinese Communist Party. One way that these MPS officers harassed Chinese dissidents was by repeatedly causing their meetings on US technology platforms to be interfered with. For example, in an online video conference on the topic of countering communism, task force officers flooded the video conference and drowned out the meeting with loud music and vulgar screams and threats directed at Chinese dissidents. In crashing and disrupting these online meetings, the MPS subjected Chinese dissidents living here in the United States to the authoritarian rule of the PRC. That is unacceptable. And in addition to threatening and harassing Chinese dissidents, the MPS officers used their fake online personas to spread official Chinese government propaganda and narratives to counter and overwhelm the dissidents' pro-democracy speech. The MPS officers on the task force also used their fake online personas to spread disinformation. Among other items, the official PRC disinformation suggested the weakness of U.S. democracy and foreign policy sought to sow political divisions in U.S. national elections and conveyed conspiracy theories regarding the U.S. government's alleged responsibility for the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. As a result of our investigation, the world now has a unique, never-before-seen view of how the PRC government deployed this army of internet trolls. We cannot and will not tolerate the Chinese government's persecution of pro-democracy activists who have sought refuge in this country. And let this prosecution serve as a warning that we remain resolved and steadfast to fight against any efforts by the Chinese Communist Party to oppress and intimidate our residents. I'd like to take a moment just to praise the work of my office's National Security and Cybercrime Section, which has long been a national leader in successfully prosecuting counterintelligence threats with a focus on hostile foreign state actors, such as the PRC and Russia. And I also want to acknowledge and thank my outstanding team, Assistant United States Attorneys Alexander Solomon, Nick Moscow, 
Ian Richardson, Jessica Weigel, and Antoinette Renhell, and litigation analysts Benjamin Richmond and Mary Claire McMahon. I also want to thank trial attorney Scott Claffey from the National Security Division and FBI agents Joseph Hugdall, Amy Turner, Belinda Lee, Robbie Markham, Jason Moritz, Carrie Crossmore, Michael Joyner, Jillian Saladay, and John Ferraraccio for their truly exemplary work on these cases. Now, the allegations you just heard sort of pull back the curtain on the PRC's audacious and illegal attempts to harass dissidents and stifle free speech in our country. And today's charges send a crystal clear response to the PRC that we are on to you. We know what you're doing and we will stop it from happening in the United States of America. And I want to emphasize this for the members of our Chinese diaspora community living in the Eastern District of New York and elsewhere in our country. Those folks who are potential targets of PRC directed harassment, intimidation, and spying. My office and our law enforcement partners are here to protect you and your rights. And no foreign country will stop us from doing that. I will now call up Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General David Newman of the National Security Division to explain the details of and answer any questions regarding the third criminal complaint from my office from which I am recused. Thank you. I'm, I'm David Newman, the Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General for National Security at the Department of Justice. Assistant Attorney General Matt Olson is attending to other matters in Washington today, could not be with us. I'd like to extend my thanks to U.S. Attorney Peace, to Assistant Director Driscoll and Assistant Director Sundberg for welcoming me in his stead to address uh, these cases. The trio of cases announced today details how the People's Republic of China, through its Ministry of Public Security, has engaged in a multi-front campaign to extend the reach and impacts of its authoritarian system into the United States and elsewhere around the world. It shows the PRC's efforts to globalize the oppressive tactics used domestically in China to silence dissent. Authoritarianism is a threat to democracy anywhere. The efforts of government of the PRC to export authoritarian methods to stifle free expression in the United States is a threat to America's democracy that we will not abide. Today's arrests and disruptions show that the Department of Justice is committed to using the rule of law to hold accountable authoritarian state actors who seek to threaten the integrity of American public discourse and the right to free expression that underpins our nation's values. And we are calling foul on conduct that should be out of bounds for any responsible nation state actor. The MPS is seen as the Chinese government's principal national police authority, but the actual role of the MPS, as you just heard, is broader, extending to intelligence and national security operations far beyond China's borders, including the illicit transnational repression schemes that are the target of today's three actions. Across these cases, the multidimensional nature of the PRC's transnational repression playbook have played out 
in the charges we allege today. First, in the case you just heard, in the physical sense, the MPS established a concrete outpost, an off-books police station right here in New York City to monitor and intimidate dissidents and other critics of the PRC within one of the United States' most vibrant diaspora communities. The complaint alleges that on behalf of the MPS, two New Yorkers opened and operated that so-called police station starting in February 2022. Next, in the virtual sense, the threat from the PRC manifested as its agents and operatives sought to interfere with online gatherings, online organizing, and other social media critiques of the PRC regime, going so far as to conspire with an employee of a U.S.-based technology company to compromise the privacy of online virtual meetings, which were being used by attendees as a modern-day means of public protest and the exercise of freedom of assembly. This fact pattern in the case I am announcing underscores the insider threat risk facing any U.S. company that does business in China and has employees based in China. In the second complaint, excuse me, in the second complaint just unsealed, we have charged 34 defendants with conspiring to harass and threaten U.S.-based critics of the PRC regime. The 34 defendants are MPS officers who are members of the 912 Special Project Working Group. The group's officers post, monitor, and update content on various social media platforms that mirror and amplify the PRC-approved public messaging. Using false names, these fake accounts disseminate and amplify messages to manipulate public perception in favor of the PRC and to undermine and discredit perceived adversaries of the PRC, including the United States, as well as democracy generally. The MPS also uses these accounts to extend the PRC's reach, both online and off, in order to intimidate specific critics and dissonance. To that end, a third un complaint unsealed today, the one I am announcing, amends and builds on prior complaints out of the Eastern District of New York and lays out how MPS officers targeted participants in virtual convenings hosted on the platform of a U.S. communications technology company. Participants included Chinese dissidents and critics of the regime based in the United States and around the world. <clears throat> As described in the amended complaint, the actions of the MPS officers had a chilling effect on meeting participants, some of whom had fled the PRC and knew the PRC was likely monitoring them from abroad. The complaint in that case also alleges that the MPS worked closely with another defendant to censor speech on the U.S. technology company's platform, including speech taking place here in the United States. As announced when the original complaint was filed in December 2020, that defendant was an employee of the U.S. technology company who was working at the time in China. We allege that the defendant removed content critical of the PRC, fabricated evidence of the terms of service violations in order to end virtual meetings critical of the PRC, and suspended and canceled user accounts that were critical of the PRC. Whether through these physical or virtual means, these crimes created real effects for victims in the United States, victims whose rights the Department of Justice is committed to protecting. As the National Security Division, my division, continues to pursue its strategy of countering nation-state threats, we want to emphasize that our efforts, including today's cases, are directed against the illicit actions of the PRC government and its agents, not the Chinese people, not the Chinese diaspora community in the United States, and not Americans of Chinese descent. 
in our work in this space, we have seen that victims of transnational repression in the United States are too often individuals who came to the United States precisely to benefit from the added protections that our Constitution and our laws provide against authoritarianism and tyranny. In the United States of America, the law protects all of us in the peaceful expression of our opinions, our beliefs, and our ideas. And in America, the law protects all of us equally from persecution, violence, and threats of violence. As authoritarian governments, whether the PRC, Russia, Iran, or others, become more brazen in their efforts to trample the rights and liberties that are the bedrock of our democracy, the Department of Justice will redouble its efforts to defend our democracy, our democratic institutions, and our sovereignty. I'll add my congratulations to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, to U.S. Attorney Peace's team in the Eastern District of New York, and our colleagues in the National Security Division for their unflagging and continuing efforts to defend democracy from nation-state threats, regardless of where they originate. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I am Mike Driscoll, Assistant Director in Charge for FBI's New York office. I want to thank U.S. Attorney Peace for having us here today, for Deputy Assistant Attorney General Newman for joining us, and for Assistant Director Sunberg for making the trip up from Washington. As you heard in the first complaint we've laid out today, a shameless scheme directed by the Chinese government's Ministry of Public Security, their National Police Service, was carried out by two individuals who we arrested this morning. As alleged in the complaint, they set up and ran an undeclared police station in downtown New York City. This is clearly a blatant violation of our national sovereignty, and it, is, and it circumvents the judicial law and law enforcement cooperation that is standard around the world amongst law enforcement organizations. This case is a further example of the audacious activities that the government of China has carried out right here on American soil. Just last year, in this same district, we announced charges in another repression case, where individuals operating on the behest of the Chinese government targeted a U.S. congressional candidate an American citizen and a military veteran who had protested the Chinese government's abuses at Tiananmen Square. And this was an attempt to disrupt his campaign. I want to be clear that the individuals arrested today were working at the direction of the Chinese government. Not only was the police station set up on the order of MPS officials, but members of the Chinese consulate in New York even paid a visit to it after it opened. It is our belief that the ultimate purpose of this illegal police station was not to protect and serve, but rather silence, harass, and threaten individuals here in the United States, and particularly those expressing views contrary to the Chinese government. The charged individuals used a New York-based nonprofit to set up the station, claiming their purpose was to serve the people of Chinese descent with things like driver's license renewals. But only a month after opening, their MPS contact directed them to hunt down a pro-democracy Chinese dissident living in California. Upon learning of the FBI's investigation into the police station, the defendants erased their communications to conceal their activities. The FBI is unwavering 
in our mission to protect the American people and uphold our Constitution and the freedoms enshrined in it. Anyone working on behalf of a hostile foreign nation to violate our national security and freedoms from within our borders will be held accountable. I want to urge anyone who's been targeted or approached by the Chinese government or by any other authoritarian regime to come to us for help. We want to hear from you. You can report this information to your local field office or reach out to us online at tips.fbi.gov. I want to thank those who helped make this case possible, our colleagues through the international intelligence and law enforcement communities who we always work closely with on these type of investigations, the Eastern District of New York, who clearly continues to be an outstanding partner on this issue, the New York City Police Department, which provided tremendous support, the members of our New York Field Office Counterintelligence Division, and in particular, I want to highlight the outstanding work by our case team, who are working so hard to bring this case. So thank you all for joining us today. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Assistant Director in Charge, David Sunberg, from our Washington Field Office. Thank you. I'd like to thank Assistant Director in Charge, Mike Driscoll, uh, U.S. Attorney Peace, and Deputy Assistant Attorney General Newman for this opportunity. My name is David Sunberg. I'm the Assistant Director in Charge of the Washington Field Office of the FBI. The charges you've heard about today reveal a series of brazen criminal schemes directed by the Ministry of Public Security. One of the complaints unsealed today shows that 34 MPS officials have been charged with conducting a massive campaign to use social media to harass and threaten Chinese dissidents, amplify division among Americans, and undermine confidence in our democratic processes. The officers worked with Beijing's MPS Bureau and were assigned to an elite task force called the 912 Special Project Working Group. The purpose of the group is to target Chinese dissidents located throughout the world, including in the United States. They attempted to use far-reaching campaign to spread their narratives touching many aspects of American life, and they tried to recruit others to unwittingly participate in this harassment by disseminating propaganda of the Chinese government. Additionally, 10 individuals, including six MPS officials, have been charged for their role in helping the Chinese government censor and silence free speech of users of a US-based tech company's platform. The Chinese Communist Party was attempting to censor politically sensitive topics that are unacceptable to the PRC government, including the Tiananmen Square massacre. All of these cases share a lot in common including Chinese officials working for and at the direction of the Chinese government and targeting people here on U.S. soil through threats, harassment, intimidation, and malign influence. The individuals charged today are operatives supporting the Chinese government's campaign to export repression and crush any criticism of its failings by trampling freedom of thought and expression including here in the United States. Our partnerships are one of our greatest strengths and we will continue to use those to bring these cases to light. So thank you to those partners who provided assistance to us 
including our private sector partners and our colleagues throughout the international intelligence and law enforcement community, who are also battling the Chinese government's aggression. Additionally, I want to acknowledge all of the FBI employees, special agents, analysts, linguists, to name a few. All those who have played a part in these two Washington field office investigations and brought them to where they are today. At the FBI, we are focused on the actions of the Chinese Communist Party and its officers, not the Chinese people or those of Chinese descent. As these announcements demonstrate, Americans of Chinese descent are too often the victims of this aggression, and the FBI stands firmly with and for them. They do not face this threat alone. Transnational repression is illegal. The FBI will continue to investigate these aggressive threats from the CCP and stand up for the freedom of speech. Thank you. Sure. Um, can you give us a sense beyond the two men charged with operating the uh, police station on uh, East Broadway? Uh, how many people would be working at the office and um, were they collaborating with others to uh, harass people within the United States? Um, our investigation is ongoing, um, so I cannot comment further on some of those issues. The complaint does note that there were co-conspirators uh, involved, so we will continue to investigate this. Jonathan. Thanks. Um, on the police station matter, was it just the one victim in California, or were there multiple victims allegedly targeted? So, uh, so Jonathan, on the first question, um, as we note in the complaint, we have evidence relating to the attempt to locate one victim in California. The other thing is important to note that these defendants, in effect, deleted a bunch of information before FBI was able to access it. So um, our investigation is ongoing, but obviously they obstructed the investigation. So we have to continue to work to figure out the full extent of uh, their activities here in the United States. Um, with respect to the second question, I don't want to um, go beyond the complaint, but it's clear that this group was able to mine for information um, that would allow them to target people in the United States. Their focus was to deliver certain messaging um, that was decided upon by uh, the Chinese National Police um, to, to do the things we described before. Pre pre present uh, disinformation, to sow discord, to challenge and undermine democracy. So this was an extensive operation, and I'm glad we we're able to uh, shed light on it. I don't know if you're able to share how you came to suspect that this uh, police station might be operating in Chinatown, and then I'm sure this will probably be telling the folks who live in similar communities throughout New York City. Um, any indication if there may be other similar police stations operating in New York City or other parts of the country as well? I can't comment on that and I can't uh, get into our investigative techniques here. But again, great work by the FBI to uncover this and uh, we continue.
Regarding the police station matter, I mean, this was called the police station. Did they do any other things that one might traditionally associate with the police station? Were they out patrolling their community, um, doing sort of like looking for dissidents uh, on the streets, like visiting businesses, or was this uh, a um, was it more operations like trying to find the uh, the, uh, the guy in California? Again, our investigation is continuing on this, and the fact that we didn't have access to certain information from the two defendants has, has posed a, a, an impediment for now, but we continue. So I think the full extent of the activity of the individuals involved with the police station is still under review and investigation. Yeah, um, is there any connection between uh, the individuals arrested today and the previous individuals arrested and charged by, by your office under others, you know, some, some of the similar transnational oppression schemes out of China. Um, and then secondly, I think you referenced that the, that the police station closed. What exactly does that mean? What, what makes you confident that it's no longer up? So um, with respect to your first question, I think the broad connection obviously is the MPS um, is behind these activities in multiple cases that we have charged, as we have identified. Um, and I think to the extent there are overlaps, they're laid out in, in the complaint. Um, I'm sorry, remind me of your second question. How, what, does it, what exactly does it mean that, that it's Our understanding at this point is it's no longer operating. Um, so that, that's what it means. One last question, sorry. You mentioned that uh, consular officials have visited that home station. Were they in fact, you know, did they know what was going on there or did you ask the State Department? Did you, did you make that? Okay. Thanks, John. Um, so, again, it goes to the, the nature of what we're investigating. Uh, we'll be looking at who were they involved with, not just officially from the Chinese government, but who were they involved with in the community. Um, it goes to the question earlier of if you do know anything about, if anybody in the public has had contact with these individuals, has had similar experiences or ex has experienced this kind of repression, we're asking everyone to reach out to the FBI because we want to know the full extent of what were they trying to do, who were they in contact with, what is the nature of their activity in New York, and frankly in any city around the country. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. That was very interesting. We got to see part of Durham's team. Uh, just so you guys know, David uh, is working on a lot of things. He was just appointed actually recently. Just so you know, he's been involved in some super high profile arrests in his life. Right. He was first assigned to the Portland field office in Oregon back in 20, 2002 when he was wet behind the ears. But then he quickly moved to Connecticut. And in Connecticut, he was part of some really big shakedowns. We've all heard of that before. You know, the things that gave Durham a name. So Ray actually appointed him in charge of the Connecticut office in 2020. That's just an interesting thing. Just, you know, <laughs> It's so weird, isn't it? How things just come into focus. You know, the guy that's looking for the pipe bomber, who's a woman, not a man. Sort of kind of wish that I would have done it for the reward, but sometimes we don't. We just let them figure it out. <clears throat> Every single FBI matter that had been happening in Connecticut for the past couple of years. Well, someone had to take over for Durham, right? I'm just saying.
And you could tell by the way they're dressed. See, there's a saying in the Navy, you know, where aviators look completely different to everybody else. They have brown shoes. That's how you can tell the difference between surface and air. You know, the shoes, the details. Details tell you everything you need to know. So it was actually quite interesting that, oh, I'm recused. Of course you're recused. See, but the problem that we have is, is that people are catching on a little bit too late that no one's coming to save them. And, and the way I say it is, but things are happening. Yeah, they are. Tell us, Tori. No, I'm not. Do you know why? Because if someone was to tell people when Harriet Tubman was doing her underground railroad thing, oh, Harriet Tubman's got this, no worries, then guess what would happen? And there would be no civilian somewhere handing her food. There would nobody be there to buy her shoes or give her intelligence or give her a lamp that she needed. See, it was teamwork. Lazy people demand answers from their couch. Lazy people do, right? You can't be lazy in your life. If you want to be free, it costs, it costs time, it costs money, it costs blood and sweat and tears. So if you all knew, let's pretend you all knew what was going on, guess what you would do? Not bother, not pay attention. You'd be like, all right, I'm sitting on my couch. See? See? That's the thing. I've talked about the hero story. Heroes are nothing without the people. No matter how much work someone can do, no how much how much sweat someone can do, even Hercules couldn't take care of things without, you know, his support. So get off your lawn chair from wiping Doritos and get involved. That's what's pissing them off the most, that people are paying attention, right? Just want you to remember that every single thing, every single revolution that has happened, you hear of a few names that are sung, but the unsung heroes are all those people that fed them, clothed them, gave them intelligence, brushed their hair, took care of their kids, their pets, their dog, filled their glass with water and ale, right? To become successful in any endeavor, no general is going to be a winner without his soldiers. I hope that's understood carefully. Never against understanding that there are things happening. But see, people are too, I don't know, maybe they're literally waiting for the knight in shining armor to ride in on a white horse. Paul Revere days are, all, are over. Paul Revere's coming in on the internet. Speaking of Paul Revere, in a couple days, we're having the, what is it? Freaking hell. I got to do the math quickly. But first, let me pick up the, the video. Is it this one? No, not that one. I don't want to show that one. I think I want to show that one. It's a lot more fun and a lot more simpler. Hold on, because I got two of them out. Mm, what was that again? Shit. My bad. I really do need a producer. Yeah, but I like to control things, so that wouldn't work. All right. You know, everyone talks, oh, you shot it, the shot heard around the world. It only takes one bullet, one shot, one shot across the bow to start a war. That's, how, that's the history of things. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Body Language Ghost is probably going to analyze this, and it's going to be awesome. I hope she pays attention to the shoes and the fact that the most important guy in there comes and was trained under John Durham. Just saying. The British are coming, the British are coming. 
now the ride of Paul Revere set the nation on its ear. And the shock at Lexington heard round the world. When the British fired in the early dawn, the war of independence had begun. The die was cast, the rebel flag unfurled. And on to Concord marched the foe to seize the arsenal. There you know, waking folks, searching all around. Till our militia stopped them in their tracks At the old North Bridge we turned them back And chased those red coats back to Boston town And the shout around the world Was the start of the revolution The men and men were raging on the move Take your powder, take your gun Report to General Washington Hurry men, there's not an hour to lose Now at famous Bunker Hill Even though we lost, it was quite a thrill. The rebel Colonel Prescott proved he was wise. Outnumbered and low on ammunition as the British stormed his position. He said, hold your fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Though the next few years were rough, General Washington's men proved they were tough. Those hungry, ragged boys would not be beat. One night they crossed the Delaware, surprised the Hessians in their lair, and at Valley Forge they just bundled up their feet. Now the shot heard round the world was the start of the revolution. The men men were ready on the moon. Take your blanket, take your son, report to General Washington. We've got our rights and now it's time to prove. They showed such determination That they won the admiration Of countries across the sea Like France and Spain Who loaned the colony Ships and guns And put the British on the run And the Continental Army On its feet again And though they lost some battles too The Americans swore they'd see it through Their raiding parties Shut the pit and run At Yorktown the British could not retreat Bottled up by Washington and the French fleet Cornwallis surrendered and finally we had won Hooray! I'm a around the world To the end of the revolution The continental rabble took the day And the father of our country beat the British There at Yorktown And brought freedom to you and me and the USA God bless America Darn those bells ringing. Love them. Love them, love them, love them. You know, you wouldn't even know that it was, what was it? 3,721 days ago when that happened, I think. Did I do the math right? Maybe. Maybe not. Because I'm busy (laughs) thinking of how I'm going to share with you a little preview. You know, music, right? Music pretty much sets the tone for a lot of things. And so this is not a completed project, but I think it's very relevant considering, oh, we saw the brown shoes. So I think it's important that we see this, uh, you know, I've got, there's a lot of fires, oops, a lot of irons in the fire. So I thought, what better way than to give you guys a preview of what I've been working on. One by one, one by one. You guys saw the shift stuff, right? And you know what's weird? The day before I release, I walk you through what steganography is. 
And, you know, and then people were upset. Like, you saw the video. It's free on Rumble. You just don't get the data for free. For those of you that like to troll, you can't have it. And those of you that will rip it from locals and hand it over to someone, that's going to be even more fun. See, because sometimes everything's hidden in plain sight. Well, let's just have this musical interlude. But pay attention to what you're watching. Enjoy. I like to call this a clapback. Every day online, I see people ask the same question. And I think maybe this will give a bit of perspective and musical enjoyment. Let's start with Clapper. See, one by one, everything will be revealed in the most inconvenient times for them, of course. Enjoy this preview. Last summer, the NSA director was at a conference, and he was asked a question about the NSA surveillance of Americans. He replied, and I quote here, the story that we have millions or hundreds of millions of dossiers on people is completely false. The reason I'm asking the question is, having served on the committee now for a dozen years, I don't really know what a dossier is in this context. So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not? Not wittingly. There are cases where they could in inadvertently perhaps uh, collect, but not, not wittingly. If I was your girlfriend, I'd drive you up the wall. Question here with, yeah, I'd always call and call. I wouldn't call it jealousy, just looking out for you. Reading all your texts, watching everything you do. Nag, 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 on you. Ask all about your past, and Facebook stalk you too. I don't care about them, I just care about us. So say hello to a girlfriend you should trust. Trust, yeah. I'll always be checking up on you. Hey boy, who you talking to? If I was your girlfriend, I'd never let you leave. Without a small recording device taped under your sleeve And you'll only look your best and shave your face for me Don't hide secrets in your house, cause boy I stole the key So tell me if you like her, don't try to say you don't I can see it in your eyes that you want to try and go But that ain't the right choice, yeah you already know I'm gonna make you stay with me and be mad if you don't Girl, girlfriend, girlfriend, I will be your girlfriend I will be your girlfriend, I will be your girlfriend Checking up on you. Hey boy, who you talking to? If I was your girlfriend, I'd never let you leave. Without a small recording device taped under your sleeve. And you'll only look your best and shave your face for me. Don't hide secrets in your house, cause boy I stole the key. 
I'll make wedding plans, cause you'll stick with me, boy. Spend a day with your girl, I'll be calling you my husband, husband. I just made a list, all our future kids' names. Bartholomew, Clarence, Steve, and Bryce. I'll never let you leave, without a small recording device, taped under your sleeve. And you'll only look your best, and shave your face for me. Don't hide secrets in your house, cause boy I stole the key. Na na na, na na na, na na na, yeah boy. Na na na, na na na, na na na, yeah. Na na na, na na na, na na na, yeah boy. Na na na, na na na, if I was your girlfriend. Yeah, when I came uh, into this office, uh, I made two commitments that are more important than any commitment I make. Number one, to keep the American people safe. And number two, uh, to uphold the Constitution. And that includes uh, what I consider to be a constitutional right to privacy uh, and an observance of civil liberties. Now, the programs that have been discussed over the last couple of days in the press uh, are secret in the sense that they're classified, but they're not secret in the sense that uh, when it comes to telephone calls, every member of Congress has been briefed on this program. Uh, with respect to all these programs, uh, the relevant intelligence committees are fully briefed on these programs. Uh, these are programs that have been authorized by broad bipartisan majorities repeatedly since 2006. And so I think at the outset it's important to understand that uh, your duly elected representatives have been consistently informed on exactly what we're doing. Now, let, let me take uh, the, the, the two issues separately. When it comes to telephone calls, nobody is listening to your telephone calls. That's not what this program's about. As was indicated, uh, what uh, the intelligence community is doing is looking at phone numbers, and durations of calls. They are not looking at people's names, and they're not looking at content. But by sifting through this so-called metadata, they may identify potential leads with respect to folks who might engage in terrorism. If these folks, uh, if the intelligence community then actually wants to listen to a phone call, they've got to go back to a federal judge, just like they would in a criminal investigation. So I, I, I want to be very clear. Some of the uh, hype that we've been hearing over the last day or so, nobody's listening to the content of people's phone calls. This program, by the way, is fully overseen not just by Congress, but by the FISA court, a court specially put together to evaluate classified programs to make sure that the executive branch or government generally is not abusing them and that it's being carried out consistent with the Constitution uh, and rule of law. Uh, and so not only does that court authorize the initial gathering of data, but I want to repeat, if anybody in government wanted to go further than just that top-line data and wanted to, for example, listen to Jackie Combs' phone call, they'd have to go back to a federal judge and, uh, and, and indicate why, in fact, uh, they were doing further uh, uh, further probing. Now, with respect to the Internet and uh, emails, 
This does not apply to U.S. citizens, and it does not apply to people living in the United States. And again, in this instance, not only is Congress fully apprised of it, but what is also true is that the FISA court has to authorize it. So in summary, what you've got is two programs that were originally authorized by Congress, have been repeatedly authorized by Congress, bipartisan majorities have approved on them, uh, Congress is continually briefed on how these are conducted. There are a whole range of safeguards involved, and federal judges are overseeing the entire program throughout. We're also setting up, uh, we've also set up an audit process uh, when I came into office to make sure that we're, after the fact, making uh, absolutely certain that uh, all the safeguards are being properly observed. What I'm saying is that the Director of National Intelligence in March did directly lie to Congress, which is against the law. He said that they were not collecting any data on American citizens. You're talking about James and Clapper. It, and, it and it turns out they're collecting billions of data on phone calls every day. So it was a lie. What I'm saying is that by lying to Congress, which is against the law, he severely damaged the credibility of the entire intelligence committee, not community. What now, should be done about that? I mean, it, I mean, I know that uh, that uh, Mr. Clapper went on another network and said that uh, his response, and I know what you're talking. We're talking about Senator Ron Wyden's question about uh, data collection on millions of Americans. That's when Mr. Clapper gave that response. He went on the Andrea Mitchell program and said it was the least untruthful answer he could give. I'm, I'm guessing here that you're saying that that's not satisfactory for you. Should the president ask for his resignation? I can't imagine how he can regain his credibility. When you lie, when you frankly come in front of the Senate and a senator asks you a direct question, which by the way he was warned of, according to Senator Wyden's office, they called the director of national intelligence and said, we're going to ask you this question. So even though he was told in advance he would get the question, he still lied in a public hearing. I think there needs to be an open debate and Americans need to decide, are you willing to give up the data on all of your phone calls every day, all the time, because of your fear for terrorism? Or do you think, like I do, that you can catch terrorists and have the Bill of Rights at the same time? I frankly think you can have both. We also have federal judges that we put in place who are not subject to political pressure. They've got lifetime tenure as federal judges, and they're empowered to look over our shoulder uh, at the executive branch to make sure that uh, these programs aren't being abused. So, uh, so we have a system in which some information is classified, and we have a system of checks and balances to make sure that it's not abused. Um, and if, in fact, this information ends up just being dumped out willy-nilly uh, without regard to risks to the program, risks to the people involved, uh, in some cases uh, on, on other leaks, uh, risks to personnel in very dangerous situations, um, then it's very hard for us to be as effective in, uh, in protecting the American people. That, that's not to suggest that you, know, you just say, trust me, uh, we're doing the right thing, we know who the bad guys are. And the reason uh, that's not how it works is because we've got congressional oversight and judicial oversight. And if people can't trust not only the executive branch, but also don't trust 
Congress and don't trust uh, federal judges to make sure that we're abiding by the Constitution, due process, and rule of law, then we're going to have some problems here. We have to be able to trust our officials. And when you're doing this, when you have the ability to completely destroy people's lives, you have the ability to actually kill people overseas, I would think that you really have to have the utmost trust. And I think he's lost our trust by lying to us. These pillars are holding up the government, like my fingers are holding up this book. And I develop a strategy to undermine each of those pillars, the police, the, the, uh, the sangha, or the religious institutions, the workers, whatever, every organization. And as they weaken and start to collapse, the government will collapse when those pillars are broken. Ideally, we want those pillars not destroyed, but transferred over to the democratic movement. Over to who? The fourth unelected branch of government has decided to change the world order by watching us and documenting everything we do. But let's not forget, that goes both ways. That device in your pocket, is a tracking device. Some facts, facts, Monday morning facts, Monday morning facts. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interlude. It is an upcoming deep dive, Adam Schiff. And I know a lot of you have been pausing and screenshotting and looking. That's the point. But I want to let you guys know, you have everything you need. You just can't see it. And that's okay. I guess it's necessarily at this time, <laughs> obviously, that people have to see it to believe it. But sometimes you see things with your own eyes and still don't believe it's happening. I mean, you were wearing the same shoes with a black suit. I mean, men in that position already know you don't wear brown shoes with a black suit. But see, these are the details that very few understand. These are the details that... In retrospect, you can put the pieces together. See, when you look back on events, everything makes sense. Hence why the past always proves the future. And the future is right now. There is, uh, there is so much going on. But let me just um, say, yesterday was Easter Sunday for my family and I. I woke up in the morning with the worst stomach bug ever. This is before I started cooking. Kind of thought it was just me feeling queasy. No, totally not it. But I did cook up a storm and I felt fine as long as I was fasted. You know, my, my evening was not so hot <laughs> and I'm still feeling the repercussions today. But you know, as we were pondering, I had um, my future son-in-law, you know, say grace. And it was kind of awesome because it makes you realize that the thing that bothered them the most at whatever point in time this happened, that Jesus was showing people the way. 
And the more the people woke up and understood, especially when he tipped over tables in the temple. Remember, he would walk in the temple and read the Torah himself and elaborate on it and discuss it. But when he realized what the people craved, which was knowledge, love, purpose, it was turned into a money machine. He was very upset. We all know that. And what was fascinating is, is that still today, people still don't get it. Barabbas, the criminal, or this man who speaks, pick, your, pick which one's the biggest criminal. See, thoughts are something that they can't control yet. Thoughts are something that give rise to actions. Actions are what is needed to create change. Knowledge is very important. If you're knowledgeable walking into a situation, you know, that's fantastic. For me, all my life, I've just been going through uncharted waters headfirst because I didn't sweat it if I failed. A lot of people don't like that. They're very uncomfortable. Hence why we have so many couch potatoes, um, you know, dictating what should happen and what shouldn't and rely on people that made money off of peddling hopium. Right? So you tell people there's a plan and then what? That's how you castrate a patriot by telling him somebody else has got it. Which again, I reinforced the story that I showed of how there are unsung heroes, the people that provided shoes and clothing and food and water and intelligence and a place for someone to rest their head while they were in this revolution. We don't need couch potatoes. We need citizens working together. This is why it was important, and I loved it, that in 2015, when I kept saying, he's with us, because she kept saying, we're with her, with her. No, he's with us, which means if he's with us, we stand right by him, and we support that man one million percent. People that go out there, and put themselves in the line of fire is who we support. Not comfortable people. You know, I was watching RSBN's feed and all I could see is, oh, this person raised that much money vowing for this. Stop it with the money. A new study came out and I posted it on Telegram showing that the majority of Americans identify as independent. And what happened to the red wave? Mah. It's about time we revolt and change the way the things are before they swap the pillars of power to a new system. A system that will be guised as a middle-of-the-road template only to cause more harm in the process. So China today announced that they're going to be strengthening, strengthening their military cooperation with Russia. <laughs> Why not, right? Why not? Alabama had a shooting. Four were killed, 28 were injured, and they're investigating the Saturday shooting. Victims were 18-year-old Phil and 17-year-old K.K. Smith and Phil Dowell. 
Interesting. Young people in a shootout. Well, it's Sean Kevia, Nicole, KK Smith, right? Let's just put it out there. No one knows why it started. It just happened. It almost seems like there's more shootings lately for some reason, right? Isn't that weird? How suddenly there's some sh- so many shootings with all the right people in the right place to talk about it too. No Sabrina the Teenage Witch on that one. They'll do it on the next one. Lindsey Graham is upset that MTG, you know, called the young man, you know, a whistleblower and said that, you know, that's terribly irresponsible. What she said was, Taxiera is a white male Christian anti-war that makes him an enemy of the Biden regime. And he told the troop about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Now think about it. Does anybody else think like that? The guy is a whistleblower. He blew the whistle on crimes that were happening in Ukraine. Remember, we had the South Korean president. See, nobody knew about it. I did talk about it before it became news, right? Everyone found out after they arrested this young man. But didn't I tell you, hey, we should take a look at what South Korea is saying, that these Pentagon leaked documents aren't real. Told you that before the arrest. Yeah, you know, I say a lot of things. So someone should ask, well, how'd you know? You know, I've been in Massachusetts for a while now. See, there's always an uptick in their freaking behavior. You can see it. It's almost like you can feel it in the ether when they sequester and conspire. Almost like you have your finger on the pulse when you're 40,000 feet view. You have your finger on the pulse. Suddenly you see all these cell phones pinging from the same location. You're like, what's going on? Why is so-and-so calling so-and-so so often? What did they find? Why are they accessing NRO uh, databases for someone? Hmm? What's going on? Almost like how the DNC server was being uploaded to the FBI and people felt the pulse of mass data transfer online. Almost like you can feel it. Like what's going on there? Heat maps. 40,000 foot view. You could feel it in the ether when they're conspiring. But you know, today's takeaway from what you saw in the CCP police is quite interesting. Body language said a lot, but the shoes did. See, people should be paying attention in detail. I don't know who sends people down the rabbit hole with these damn flags. Stop looking at them. They're all freaking trolling you. They're trolling you. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Pay attention to the clothing. Pay attention to the pins and pay attention to the shoes. Uniform is key. You can't be out of uniform unless they're conducting a clandestine operation. So when it's covert, you won't see much of it. But when it's an overt operation, boy, you can see everything. And I really wish, you know, the banner that, that, that RSBN did more zoom out so you could see exactly what I was seeing. I hope you did and followed my little mouse. In other news, because we have tons of news today, so much breaking stuff that's weird, right? Like, you know, Fox is, uh, you know, going to appeal the case about Dominion. They should. Here's a really weird one. The House Judiciary Committee cited an unlikely inspiration. The Democratic-run J6 panel, in its Monday response to Manhattan DA Bragg, as the two sides battle over the GOP's attempt to investigate the New York prosecution of Donald Trump. Now, that's Jim Jordan heading that. I don't trust him. I do not. He's been in office for a very long time, and he relies heavily on his staffers. 
And unless they're staffers that don't talk, which none of them have, then that's not good. But he'll do whatever so you can throw money at him. So the, the Judiciary Committee, chaired by Jim Jordan, argues that Bragg's lawsuit to block the Pomeran subpoena is barred by the Constitution's speeder debate clause. That provision gives lawmakers formidable protection against attempted lawsuits by outside actors over their official work. Now, see, this is dumb, and I'll tell you why. Someone earwigged something to me when I wasn't feeling all that good. And she said something to me, and I was like, well, hold on a second. Yeah, she's right. We could use that lawsuit to our advantage. So speaking on how we're going to help this out with the whole New York thing, I think that could be the avenue to target the J6 committee. And I'll elaborate that when I get a minute, because like I said, I'm literally under the weather. I must fast. Like I'm fasted with just coffee because yesterday I cooked up a storm, like I said, and I was violently sick just by putting half a potato, just as everyone was eating. I was like, let me just, maybe it's because I'm hungry because I'm fasted. So not the case. Have you guys ever felt like that? Now, what else makes me sick is Ron Klain. So as you all know, Ron Klain was the one that had created Clear, which is now in your airports and uh, your arenas and uses AI to identify you, of course. Kind of like they use all the AI data. Uh, AI takes all your phone calls, text messages, and emails through the NSA, right? In a twin stream. I've explained that before. You should watch Shadowgate again. And it feeds it all that information to create profiles on every single U.S. citizen. That's a fact. I ran that. I was one of the first administrators on that fucking server. Hence why I had access to it for a long time until Millie Weaver did that report. And then GCHQ took their website down because they knew that I had tied a worm on that end. Just saying. This was a long time ago, so I legally had access to it. So they can't nail me for that or else Brennan has a lot of explaining to do as to how he looped up international community with the NSA's feed. Pretty tough. Now, just so you know, Ron Klain was a partner at O'Mulvaney for about five years um, during the early Bush era. And he was kind of like an informal senior advisor to Biden's reelection campaign at the time, like late 90s, early 2000s. He's actually um, got a new job because he's returning back to O. Melveni as a partner in the litigation department in New York and Washington. That's very interesting. Why is he going to... Oh, Melveni, you guys need to be paying attention to these subtle things. And not all of you can, because everyone falls down through rabbit holes, either with the children, the organ trafficking, the flags, the freaking quantum grammar, the, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. Just focus on things you can control, like suing the shit out of these people and sending them packing. I mean, look what we did to Mitch McConnell. He's out. Told you he was going to go out. But, you know, that's just coincidence, right? The coincidence is Tori tweets out, hey, everybody, remember when Mitch McConnell got beat up? I'd be careful, Mitch. 
Three days later, Mitch is beat up again. Oh, looks like the gang of eight got everything. He got beat up and he's retiring. Two weeks later, Mitch McConnell's retiring. See, those are all just obviously another coincidence. All right, let's just stick it to that. But your FOIA requests and your demands to the gang of eight to say the FBI said, no, give it to me, is the one that did this. Nobody else. You are making change. The other people are just sharing memes. Memes are fun to wake up the normies, but we need more people on action. We need more people on action. Now, President Trump uh, sued Michael Cohen. That's very important. And you'll, you'll understand during the process, a lot of people are like, this is dumb. No, it's not. It's really not. It's really, really not. It's actually the way to do it. McCarthy actually wants to raise the debt ceiling. I mean, why not? They're going to take away our money, right? And why not? They're going to take away our money. Finland just joined NATO. Okay, so now where's Erdogan? On the chopping block. And they're protecting him at all costs because they know what's coming. In other news, Kara Musra got the highest prison term ever. In Russian history, pretty much. He's an opposition activist against Vladimir Putin. And um, he got 25 years in prison over criticism of the war in Ukraine. That's what they're claiming. That's what NPR, which is a government-funded entity that got their panties in a bunch because, you know, Elon gave the label that they're funded in, they are, our tax dollars pay for them. And they got upset that people know that they're state-funded, but they are. Are we going to hide behind our finger? It's called National Public Radio because it's funded by our dollar, dollar, paper, dollar. And them not accepting facts, you know, may cause them an issue. But having said that, Karen Musra, 41, was, as they allege, a small group of high-profile opposition finger, fi fingers, <laughs> oops, um, who remained in Russia, determined to be a voice for those against the war. Most of them are in prison. Patel, who likes to play State Department person, he likes to be the old Jen Psaki of the old State Department. He's like circling back with rubbish, says that the U.S. is condemning the sentencing. He's just another target of the Russian government's escalating campaign of repression. The fuck are you doing, Patel? Can we see what's going on in America? We have more oppression than anything. At least for the Russians, they're down with the thumb of authority over them. But. But, but the U.S. doesn't have that. But we're just going to laugh at the other camel's hump, aren't we, right? Oh, look, Russia has a hump, says the American fucking camel with a million of them. So, um, so he's been arrested. Uh, he was actually under attack two times in his life, um, you know, through poisoning. I think it was in 2015 and 2017. And he was very, did you know this? This is just so fun to just know fun facts. So did you know that Kara Musra was actually a key figure? Get this. Lobbying to our Congress for U.S. Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act in 2016. It was a legislation that targeted those that were uh, involved in the death of whistleblowing Russian lawyer Sergei Maginsky in prison. But wait, it gets better. Let me tell you more of this Kara guy. 
So this Kara guy, guess who his best friend is? Ding, ding, ding. John McCain. And in fact, a picture that I had posted on um, uh, uh, Twitter, right? With Kiev, Klobuchar, Lindsey Graham, and McCain, you'll see Kara Musra was in that photo. He was besties at McCain, with McCain. In fact, you know where else you see Kara Musra? Well, go back to the rotunda sh- shenanigan. You're going to see him as a pallbearer at McCain's funeral in 2018. Stop. Stop it. You mean Putin arrested a spy? Stop. You see how the media twist shit? Like, get the fuck out of here. We got someone as a pallbearer at McCain's funeral, the guy that got him into Ukraine with Lindsey Graham and freaky Kiev Klobuchar. And Kiev Klobuchar still has to answer to that $10 million contract with the U.S. Navy where she never provided, you know, anything. So why did she get $10 million? So weird. And it was right by that burning chemical factory. So dumb. By Brunswick, Georgia, where the DHS has inserted himself, you know, through a little closet around that area where they penetrated Kemp's machines. But that's, that's details. Details we don't need right now. But just because it's in the news and everyone's shocked that Vladimir Putin, you know, put this Kara Muzzer away. What? He's just an opposition. He's more than opposition. See, I think even NPR mentions <laughs> that, that he was a pallbearer at McCain's fucking funeral. Okay? That he was lobbying in 2016 to strong arm and ensure that Ukraine was part of the West. Stop it. See, this is what the media tells you. And he was smirking when he was arrested. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see now because the minute that happened, it's like boom, boom. And then, you know, there's the frustration. I mean, frustration, frustration, frustration. You know, like, Evergreen, look, it made a penis. Evergreen, fucking New Orleans. Hello, Biden. Hello, China. Hello, Sotheby's. Hello, oil. Hello, Kazakhstan. Jeez. You know, and it sucks. They always go to the places that are like commonwealths and have a weird name for counties like parishes. There's always a reason for discrepancies amongst the states. And no one pays attention. We just accept the story that we're told rather than look at the foundations of why they're so different. Why does New York call them boroughs and not counties? Why isn't it, you know, why is it the borough of Queens and not county, Queens County or something? Damn. I just don't have all the time for that right now. I really don't. Neither should you. Mike Pompeo's in the crosshairs, obviously, with all this Assange stuff, because everyone's like really raising that up. McCarthy's trying to raise our debt ceiling and shrink food aid. And while everyone thinks that North Korea is getting, uh, you know, that because Japan and South Korea are holding drills to counter North Korea, they think, oh, they're just exercising. They're our allies. Oh, do. And they don't like North Korea. Oh, oh, you got to pay attention. Because they took out Abe and there was a shot targeting to assassinate the other Japanese prime minister. And then you have to wonder, why Japan? Damn, they're really adamant about taking out leaders in Japan. Cool question, right? And then the funny thing is, we're getting all these heart-strung reports. Oh, you know, in Sicily, we like Italy, 
you know, pushes on with the migrant crackdown as hundreds land in Sicily after rescue. Oh my God, they got rescued. But you know what else happened in Sicily at the same time they were rescuing? 1,600 packages of cocaine were found floating off the coast of Italy, one of the biggest record hauls. They were all just migrants that were carrying 1,600 packages of cocaine. Oh, so dumb. How dare you say that? These poor migrants, they're running away. They're running away. Stop. Stop it. They were probably dumped by another ship. It's not like the migrants had them. How dare you say that, Tori? You see, there's a lot going on, but I thought I would just um, leave it at that for now. Right? Poor migrants with 1,600 packages of cocaine, but it didn't come from the migrants. Some other ship must have dumped them in the ocean right where you found all the migrants because that makes sense. Right? Because that's what they want you to know. Don't put pieces together. How dare you? How dare you? Now, in other news, before we close, I did tell you that Tesla is going to outdo all the EVs, right? Because of the algorithm, I mean, I don't even think Elon should even rent it out. And, oh, you like Elon? I like Elon, but Elon's as dangerous as they come to. Because he's at least transparent with what he wants to do. Now, do I find him dangerous with AI? Not really. He has a football team of kids. So I don't think he would try to harm their future. Right? But this X app, remember, I think I told you that. The super app, right? Super app. It's like WeChat. You're going to pay your bills and do everything. He's opening up his own AI. I'd love to hook myself up to that one. Um, but what else? What else is pertinent? Well, yeah, EV companies are going to have a really hard problem. Really hard problem. Because, you know, the minute he switches up his batteries and adds niobium and something else, it's game over. Complete game over. Speaking of niobium, that's doing pretty well, isn't it? It'll be in the news at some point soon-ish, maybe. I think I, think I want to end for today at that. And I think the best way to end it is by sharing a clip of a very specific one. And I'm trying to find the right one. I'm going to end it not with a song yet, but with my favorite. It's an old video. I played it a very long time ago. Um, and it's one of my, one of the things that made me love math more. Well, I call physics math because physics is just math applied. So I reshare this because it's important that people hear it and watch it. And then I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to have to tune off um, Facebook because I keep getting dinged. I mean, I'm like, how do they verify my account on Instagram? But constantly attack me on Facebook and why was I banned off of TikTok when I didn't post so weird well let's get back to information theory theories related to cryptography and therefore was well aware that human communication was a mix of randomness and statistical dependencies 
letters in our messages were obviously dependent on previous letters to some extent. And in 1949, he published a groundbreaking paper, A Mathematical Theory of Communication. And in it, he uses Markov models as the basis for how we can think about communication. And he starts with a toy example. Imagine you encounter a bunch of text written in an alphabet of A, B, and C. Perhaps you know nothing about this language, though you notice A's seem to clump together while B and C's do not. He then shows that you could design a machine to generate similar-looking text using a Markov chain. And he starts off with a zeroth-order approximation, which means we just independently select each symbol, A, B, or C, at random and form a sequence. However, notice that this sequence doesn't look like the original. He shows then you could do a bit better with a first-order approximation, where the letters are chosen independently, but according to the probability of each letter in the original sequence. So this is slightly better as A's are now more likely, but it still doesn't capture much structure. The next step is key. A second order approximation takes into account each pair of letters which can occur. And in this case, we need three states. The first state represents all pairs which begin with A, the second all pairs that begin with B, and the third state all pairs that begin with C. And notice now that the A cup has many AA pairs, which makes sense since the conditional probability of an A after an A is higher in our original message. Now we can generate a sequence using this second order model easily as follows. We start anywhere and pick a tile, and we write down or output the first letter and move to the cup defined by the second letter. Then we pick a new tile and repeat this process indefinitely. Notice that this sequence is starting to look very similar to the original message because this model is capturing the conditional dependencies between letters. And if we want to do even better, we could move to a third order approximation which takes into account groups of three letters or trigrams. And in this case, we would need nine states. But next, Shannon applies this exact same logic to actual English text using statistics that were known for letters, pairs, and trigrams, etc. And he shows the same progression from zeroth order, random letters, to first order, second order, and third order sequences. He then goes on and tries the same thing using words instead of letters, and he writes, the resemblance to ordinary English text increases quite noticeably at each depth. Indeed, these machines were producing meaningless text, though they contained approximately the same statistical structure you'd see in actual English. Shannon then proceeds to define a quantitative measure of information, as he realizes that the amount of information in some message must be tied up in the design of the machine which could be used to generate similar looking sequences. Which brings us to his concept of entropy. Well then, I guess that was the undertow. And the question is, if the son of a prominent leader decided to expose crimes committed by their family, their father, there will be several potential benefits and consequences that could arise. What are some of these benefits 
And what are some of these consequences? And boy, doesn't have doesn't Hunter have other children? Why is he only focused on the new one? His new South African wife gave him. Those are all questions that'll be answered in time. Observe the undertone. <laughs>